back belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Welcome to episode number 34 of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Road Street Journal. The Fantasy Fullback Dive, of course, the only podcast that's going to be your lead blocker, that's going to pave the way to your league championship, uh, trophy, cup, whatever, uh, Fez, Fez, whatever you happen to give out, we're going to pave your way, we're going to be the lead blocker for that. I, of course, am your host, Nat the Truth Jones, with me as always, the wolf of Road Street himself, coming off. Uh, week one, very exciting week one of the NFL season. Uh, we got the Monday night games coming up right after we record this. But 14 of the 16 games in the book, and I got to say, they did not disappoint. Few surprises, few non-surprises, uh, but great football. Great that football's back. What do you think, Wolf? Uh, it's the absolute best. I actually feel a little bit jaded. I was lucky enough to land tickets to the Patriots-Texans uh, game, which obviously you don't turn that down when you get them, but missing week one of the, the red zone, I severely miss Scott Hansen and that glowing smile, that booming voice, all the touchdowns going on. Of course, I tracked it throughout the game, and I'm catching up on all the action now, writing all the stock watches about it. We have a great rundown coming out. Just keep checking rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch for all the implications. And we have a new article coming out this year, a suggestion for from one of our loyal pod listeners of a season-long big board rest-of-season type rankings. Nobody else does that rest-of-season ranking type stuff, so we're going to have that going all off-season, and I'm just excited to catch up on it all. I missed Red Zone, though, so week two is going to be my real true fantasy cherry bean pop for 2018. I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, I know this makes me sound old and boring, but I would way rather sit on the couch and watch Red Zone than go to a football game live. I just absolutely like it sounds old and boring, but it's kind of the truth. I mean, this game was tough to turn down. Such a good matchup between the Patriots and Texans. And week one, I wish it wasn't week one, but so be it. It was still a blast. I mean, I I'm sure you had a good time by the end of it, which was yeah. You were you were uh, you were getting all aggressive at the end of the night, all hammered. You were all butt hurt. Uh, yeah, is what is the is the rumor that was going around? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh my good god! Well, uh, what a great week. I got I got home in time for that Sunday night game. My God, we're gonna do the rundown. Oh yeah, we're gonna do the rundown, and we'll get to that. But let's just say, just right now, the Rotor Street Journal hit a few home runs yesterday. You know, not Absolutely. to toot our own horn, but I'm about right. to toot our own horn pretty seriously. We hit a Absolutely. bunch of home runs. A lot of our guys. We had one or two whiffs, but man, we had like nine or ten. Uh, out of the park, and I'm pretty proud of that, I have to say. So hats off to you on that. I even nailed a couple good ones. So It felt great. No, and that's what I love is, like, even if I don't take my own advice sometimes, if we give good advice, you like you said, put, paving the path to your titles, I think we really did that in week one. Obviously, we don't want to overreact. You know, last week we called Gilsley being a touchdown monster and thought we were on, on to, like, a 20-touchdown season before he crapped his pants. So we don't want to overreact, but a lot of our bigger guys – Specifically, poster boy Pat Mahomes, that yeah. Chiefs offense, Tyreek Hill. My all-in team in January featured those two. My God. Was Mike that Thomas. Like a, yeah, Mike Thomas. I mean, we had him over Odell. You did at least, you know. You even had Tyreek Hill over I had Tyreek over, Odell, over so. Odell, too. 
which is, I think, maybe the only expert in the, the entire universe to actually do that. But we definitely hit some home runs, maybe a couple misses here and there. What I love, though, is that preseason guide we released, the, the wrap-up, Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, you know, Sanders. The Kill storyline. We, we had so many of those storylines pan out. So if you didn't hit that one this year, man, like make sure you don't miss that next year because that, that really gave people a leg up. And, I, and I'm very proud and, and just happy for our, our listeners, our loyal Wolfpacks. I got a lot of texts and a lot of Twitters and a lot of that stuff just thanking me for a great week one. And there's nothing better. That's why we do this. It's the best to get that validation for our, our Wolfback baby. Yeah, our mutual friend Nick, who we both used to work with, uh, commented on one of our things on Facebook today, said that he used our picks to play Daily Fantasy, and he finished, I think, 42nd out of 4,300 or something like that. So, oh, wow. Good so, shit. Yeah, I love so it. he appreciated it. Anyway, uh, there's a lot to talk about, a lot of injuries. Most of those will probably get touched on in the rundown, but if not, we'll probably get to them in the end of the episode. We're going to try to get this thing out tomorrow morning if possible, so we're going to get right into the rundown right after this. All right, we are back. Uh, I'm going to set a timer. What were we trying to do this in last year? Like 10 minutes? Was that? Was yeah, that under 10, right. right exactly. I think we can do it. I have no idea. We're, we're both pretty good at reading copy, so we'll see what happens. Uh, and I'll try to put some jazzy music under this as well. We'll see yes, if sir. that works out. I'm, I'm, I'm a novice, but I'm actually doing the audio for this one, folks. So all complaints or compliments. Um, <laughs> I'm not really on Twitter, so you're just going to have to keep them to yourself. Anyway, week one rundown. You want to start, Wolf, or you want me to start? Uh, let's do it. I got it. You got it? All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Take it. Philadelphia 18, Atlanta 12. The NFL season got off to an underwhelming start as Nick Foles outlasted Matt Ryan once again to hand the Falcons a game they probably should have won. Foles and Ryan were both subpar as passers as neither man threw a touchdown and each was picked off once. Devonta Freeman seemed to have found himself in a dreaded committee situation in the Atlanta backfield, only carrying six times for 36 yards and catching three balls for a meager 14 yards. Tevin Coleman ran the ball nine times for 19 yards but did score the Falcons' lone touchdown. Julio Jones had a vintage Julio Jones game, 10 catches, 169 yards, and no TDs. But as a side note, Jones more than doubled the yardage put up by any uh, Falcons pass catcher combined. For the Eagles, Jay Ajayi ran for 62 yards, but found the end zone twice. Nelson Aguilar had eight catches that went for pathetic 33 yards, and Zach Ertz had a forgettable five-catch, 48-yard stat line filled with drops. Tampa Bay 48, New Orleans 40. Holy shit! I'm so <laughs> glad I picked up the Saints defense for the sole purpose of playing Tampa Bay. By the way, that netted me negative eight points in my hometown league the magic is back as ryan fitzpatrick threw for 417 yards and four tds and ran another one in and no i did not misspeak that's actually what happened Peyton Barber ran the ball 16 times for 69 yards in a respectable but not inspiring performance as the Bucks featured back. Mike Evans had seven catches for a buck 47 and a score. Deshaun Jackson had five catches for a 146 and two scores. Incredibly, each of them caught every ball they were targeted on. Chris Godwin also added three catches for 41 and a score to round out the Tampa Bay onslaught. The Saints put up huge fantasy numbers despite the embarrassing loss. Drew Brees passed for 439 and three touchdowns. Alvin Kamara scored twice on the ground despite only running for 29 yards. Oh, by the way, he had nine catches for 112 and another touchdown on top of that. But Mike Thomas stole the show, racking up 16 catches on 17 targets, 180 yards and a touchdown. Ted Ginn chipped in with five catches for 68 and another touchdown and loss. Oh, by the way, Cameron, Cameron Meredith was a DNP coach's decision. 
Jacksonville 20, New York Giants 15. The Jags outlasted the Giants in a battle of terrible, terrible quarterbacks to kick their season off on Sunday. Blake Bortles passed for 176 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Leonard Fournette ran for 41 yards on nine carries, catching three balls for another 14, but suffered an injury and seeded carries to TJ Yeldon, who was expectedly ineffective. Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook were both okay, receiving 54 and 51 yards respectively, not to be outdone in the quarterbacks who suck ass competition. Eli Manning threw for 224 yards and had an interception. Saquon Barkley ran for 106 yards in a TD in his NFL debut, although 68 of it came on one great run, and without that, he essentially averaged two yards a carry for the game, so yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. was targeted 15 times, hauling in 11 for 111 yards. Evan Ingram was a non-factor at tight end with two catches for 18 yards. Baltimore 47, Buffalo 3. Nathan Peterman added to his impressive resume as a starting quarterback for a half, going 5 for 18 with 24 yards and getting picked off twice before getting the hook and stepping aside for Josh Allen, who was only slightly better. Peterman's quarterback rating for the game, 0.7. That's 0.7. LaShawn McCoy, who the Wolf told you to stay away from, ran for 22 yards and had one catch, which went for negative yardage. Kelvin Benjamin had one fat catch for 10 fat yards. The Bills are unspeakably terrible. The Ravens were led by a rejuvenated Joe Flacco through for 236 yards and three touchdowns. No one ran the ball too well for Baltimore. That did not stop Alex Collins, Buck Allen, and Kenneth Dixon from all scoring touchdowns on the ground. John Brown, Willie Smead, Michael Crabtree all added receiving scores for the Ravens. By the way, Alex Collins fumbled in that game and got benched. Brutal. New England 27, Houston 20. The hype surrounding Deshaun Watson and the Texans will have to wait at least another week to come to fruition, as the Patriots did what they pretty much always do, beat Houston. Watson looked bad in this game, only managing 176 yards in the air along with a touchdown and a pick. He did run for an additional 40. Lamar Miller ran the ball 20 times for 98 yards, and DeAndre Hopkins had eight catches that went for 78. On the Patriots' side of the ball, Tom, he looked good overall passing for 277 yards and three TDs with one interception. Burkhead got the bulk of the New England carries, but no one did much with the opportunity they got on the ground. Gronk was his usual unstoppable self, catching seven balls for 123 in a score, while Philip Dorsett added seven for 66 in the TD, and James White found the end zone as well. Chris Hogan was a non-factor, only catching one ball for 11 yards. Minnesota 24, San Francisco 16. The inauguration parade to declare Jimmy Garoppolo the greatest football player of all time hit a snag Sunday as Jimmy G only managed 261 yards, one touchdown, and three costly interceptions against the Vikings. Alfred Morris and Matt Breda each rushed for under 50 yards. Marquise Goodman, Goodwin was injured early, which hurt their cause. George Kittle caught five balls for 90 yards in one of the lone high points for the Niners. Kirk Cousins threw for 244 yards, had two touchdowns for Minnesota. Latavius Murray and Dalvin Cook each got double-digit carries, though both men barely broke 40 yards. Cook, however, did add six catches for another 55. Adam Thielen caught six passes for 102 yards. Stephon Diggs had three for 43, and he found the end zone. Kyle Rudolph only caught one ball, but it was an 11-yard touchdown to salvage his fantasy day. Miami 27, Tennessee 20, in a game that was delayed by lightning for hours and seemed like it would never end. Eventually, the Dolphins outlasted the Titans to secure the first victory of the season. Marcus Mariota was terrible in the feet, eventually being replaced by the equally awful Blaine Gabbert after an apparent elbow injury. Deion Lewis received a lion's share of the Titan backfield carries, going 16 for 75 and a TD, while adding five catches for another 35. Derrick Henry only carried the ball 10 times for 26 yards. Puke. Corey Davis had six catches for 62, while Delaney Walker added four catches for 52, but sadly, that's the last he's going to have because Walker was injured and will miss the remainder of the season. Ryan Daniel threw for 230 yards, two scores, and two picks for the Dolphins, while Kenyon Drake got a few more carries than the ageless Frank Gore, but Gore averaged almost seven yards a carry, whereas Drake averaged about three. 
Kenny Stills, RSJ favorite, of course, had four catches, 106 yards, and scored twice. Cincinnati 34, Indianapolis 23. The return of Andrew Luck wasn't a disaster, but it did not result in a Colts win. Luck threw for 319 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick in his first game in almost two years. The Colts' abysmal running game was paced by Jordan Wilkins, who rushed 14 times for only 40 yards. T.Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron both had receiving touchdowns. Jack Doyle caught 70 balls, seven balls for 60 yards, also coughed up, coughed up a costly fumble. For the Bengals, Andy Dalton passed for 243 yards, two scores, and a pick. Joe Mixon had a strong start to the season, rushing 17 times for 95 yards and a score, along with five catches for an additional 54. A.J. Green also had six catches for 92 yards and a touchdown. Love that workhorse status from Mixon in Pittsburgh, 21, Cleveland, 21. The Browns left the door for open for an undefeated season as well as guaranteed they would have had better record than they did last year after they managed to tie the pathetic Steelers in Cleveland this Sunday. Ben Roethlisberger had an increasingly typical road game throwing for 335 in a touchdown but picked off three times. James Conner filled the levy on Bell rolled nicely rushing for 135 yards, two scores on the ground while adding another five catches for 57 through the air. Beast. Antonio Brown had another ho-hum Antonio Brown game catching nine balls for 93 yards in the score. Ho-hum, ho-hum indeed. Well, Juju Smith-Schuster had five catches for 119 yards. For Cleveland, Tyrod Taylor was woefully ineffective for the air, completing less than 40% of his passes and only throwing for 197 yards in a TD with a pick as well. But he did rush for 77 yards and a score on the ground, saving some of that damage. Carlos Hyde was given a chance to be the workhorse to the tune of 22 plodding carries, turned into 62 yards, less than three yards a carry for those scoring at home. Although he did find the end zone saving his day. Jarvis Landry paced the Browns receivers with seven catches for 100 six yards when Josh Gordon's usage was spotty. He did catch one ball for 17-yard touchdown. David Yoko had three catches for 13 yards before an injury ended his day. For the record, both teams came out of this game looking like losers. Kansas City 38, Los Angeles Chargers 28. The Pat Mahomes era is officially underway as the Chiefs were the latest to usurp a home game from the homeless Chargers. Rota Street Journal poster boy Mahomes threw for 256 yards with four touchdowns against no interceptions and rushed for a fifth score. Kareem Hunt was held in check, only gaining 49 yards rushing but it didn't matter because Anthony Sherman, what? And DeAnthony Thomas, who? Each picked up the slack with receiving touchdowns. Tyreek Gadget Player Hill had seven catches for 169 yards and two touchdowns and added a third score on a punt return. On the Chargers side, Phillip Rivers reminded us all of his fantasy pedigree as he passed for 424 yards and three scores with one pick. Melvin Gordon rushed 15 times for 64 yards, but he did add nine catches for 102 more to help ease the fantasy pain. Keenan Allen enjoyed a rare injury-free game with eight catches and 108 yards and a touchdown. Austin Eckler also had five catches for 87 and a score. Beastly Denver 27 and Seattle 24. The Broncos held off the Seahawks on Sunday despite a great performance by the Seahawks' best player, punter Mike Tixon, who averaged nearly 60 yards a punt on the day. Case Keenum threw for 329 yards for Denver along with three touchdowns but also threw three picks. Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman each got 15 carries. Who the fuck is Philip Lindsay? And they each took those 15 carries for 71 yards. So not much was learned there. Lindsay did also add two catches and took one of them to the end zone. Demarius Megan for life Thomas had six catches for 63 and a score, but Emmanuel, the real number one receiver on this team, Sanders, had 10 for 135 and a touchdown to steal the show on 51% slot usage. That's what we've talked about all preseason, folks. Well, the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, passed for 298 yards, three TDs, two picks, but was a total non-factor rushing, only running twice for five yards. Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, each only
only got a meager seven carries in a disgusting committee. Carson did manage 51 yards through compared to Penny's eight. Awful. Seahawks tight end Will Household name Disley, my favorite, had three catches for 105 and a TD. And Tyler Lockett and Brandon Marshall each scored as well for the Hawks. Oh yeah, Doug Baldwin's hurt. Carolina 16, Dallas 8. We all learned a little something Saturday or Sunday afternoon in North Carolina. The Cowboys are a very, very bad football team. Dak Prescott passed for 170 yards and did nothing rushing. Ezekiel Elliott rushed 15 times for 69 and a touchdown, but was pretty much held in check the majority of the game. Cole Beasley led what has to be the worst wide receiving core in the league with seven catches for 73 yards. For the Panthers, Cam Newton wasn't much better passing, but he did add 58 yards and a score running to elevate his overall performance. Christian McCaffrey was held to 50 yards rushing, added six catches for 45. Kind of seems like he might be a little in a committee situation. We'll see. He did have a costly fumble running the ball early in the game as well. Greg Olson was also injured. It is not yet known the extent or severity of that injury. Washington 24, Arizona 6. You know who else is bad? The Cardinals. Sam Bradford passed for 150 yards with a pick and managed to help make David Johnson look average. Not easy to do. DJ only ran the ball nine times for 37 yards, though he did score late, added five catches for 30 yards. Larry Fitzgerald kept on doing what he does. Future Hall of Famer caught seven balls for 76 yards. For Washington, Alex Smith went for 255 and two TDs. Adrian Peterson had 96 rushing with a touchdown as well, added two catches for a 70 yards receiving as well. Chris Thompson also had a great fantasy game, rushing for 65 yards and making six catches for another 63 and a score. Jordan Reed defied the odds and staved off a season-ending injury. Reed had four catches for 48 and a score. Green Bay 24, Chicago 23. This game was a tale of two halves as the Matt Nagy-led Bears managed to throttle the Packers early and have Aaron Rodgers carted off the field, only have him return in the second half and rip their hearts out of their chest while they were still beating Temple of Doom style. Rodgers threw for 286 yards and three scores almost totally in the second half, while his counterpart, Mick Trubisky, was held to 171 yards, although there were times early that Trubisky actually looked strong. Jamal Williams was the clear lead back for Green Bay, but only managed 47 yards on the ground. Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, and Geronimo Allison, waiver pickup, all had receiving touchdowns for the Packers, with Cobb claiming the gaudiest stat line with nine catches for a buck 42. For the Bears, Jordan Howard rushed for a strong 82 yards, showed some receiving chops as well with five catches. Tariq Cohen rushed for another 25 and had three catches. Allen Robinson caught four balls for 61 yards, and that's your wrap-up. Wolf, we did that in about 11 and a half minutes. Oh, damn, so close. That's like a 16-game slate, so it's acceptable. Yeah, I got you know, to pare down the descriptions a little bit too, but you know, sometimes I do get a little carried away. <laughs> uh, but good job. All right, we're going to be right back after this. We're going to hit you with some rising storylines, some falling storylines, and uh, we're going to give you a couple waiver suggestions as well right after this. All right, we are back. We're going to hit you with three risers and three fallers, and then we're going to hit the waiver wire briefly. Uh, if you want more risers, there's a lot more than that. I think, actually, we picked this from a list of 12. So, yeah. uh, you know, where can, where can they find the rest of the list, Wolf? You can always find it at rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch, updated in real time. Uh, but we also have an email list. We send out a market report every week, whether you're on the earlier Wolf Pack, not the Alpha Wolf Pack, or you join the Alpha Wolf Pack, rotostreetjournal.com slash wolfpack dash membership. If you want to join, it's still free right now. Until we have everything ironed out and feel real good about charging it, we're not going to charge you uh, anything. Uh, it's free. Get the market report delivered to your inbox every Monday or Tuesday morning. Morning, or you just chat, track it in real time at rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch. Highly recommend you bookmark that and just check it throughout the week. All right, here we go. Riser storyline number one. 
The Saints may need to return to the aerial circus with defensive regression, and Mike Thomas will be unstoppable. I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. Talk about Mike Thomas. Talk about the Saints. And I think we got to stare at Alvin Kamara, too. Just the entire Saints offense. We know historically we've, they've obviously been a dominant passing attack. Led the league, you know, top five in the league in passing attempts for nine out of ten seasons under Sean Payton, with the only one not being a, that top five last year. And they, you know, they had the better defense, the dominant rushing attack, and they were able to balance it out, which is probably what they want to do. If it's not broke, don't fix it. But man, if you're giving up 529 total yards to the Ryan Fitzpatrick led. Buccaneers, you might be having some defensive regression. Now, they've, they've been historically slow starters, the Saints have at home. They've given up 529 yards, 555 yards, and 486 yards in their last three home openers. So, I'm not going to hit the panic button yet on that defense and just say it's going to be demolition, but it really could be. Uh, ultimately, you know, Lattimore was getting burned all over the field by Mike Evans. It just so didn't bad, look man. like uh, it's, it's brutal. So if you know if Lattimore regresses after a dominant rookie season, if people have figured out little things about him, who knows what could happen? And if this is going to be a catch-up mode, shootout type mode, Saints, we've just seen that be point factory, and they've never had as dominant talents as Mike Thomas at wide receiver and Alvin Kamara as a receiving threat out of the backfield. And you know they've had these dominant passing attacks, but it's never been so concentrated on one guy in the, in the wide receiver position and one running back i mean thomas 16 receptions 17 targets insanity from a volume and efficiency standpoint 180 yards td he's going to literally be the top scoring fantasy receiver if this defense just continues to shit all over the place meanwhile kamara 81 percent of the Saints snaps trailing only james connor and ezekiel elliott for week one usage uh which is just amazing because he only had 64.8 percent on his highest of last year obviously mark ingram will return uh, and that will put a dent into that. But those two are just going to see volume after volume if this defense doesn't pick it up. And if they're going to give up that to Ryan Fitzpatrick, you got to be very excited if you're a Kamara or Thomas owner right now. Well, we say, you said Mike Thomas might be the number one receiver in fantasy. Maybe not, because Patrick Mahomes is for real, and Tyree Kill could be fantasy's number one wide receiver. Isn't that crazy? Right? It is crazy. I mean, he had three scores yesterday. I mean, he had a couple, a couple long ones. Uh, one was long, and then one was like not. I mean, one was a, a ninety-one yard uh, punt return, and one yeah. was one was like a six-yard pass that if you give this guy just a couple like feet of space, he can just take it to the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was like the classic Andy Reid shovel pass. You used to see it with Donovan McNabb and Brian Westbrook, and they would just hook up for these little cheap dinkers that you just get a bunch of fancy points for. So that's one reason to love Mahomes is the creative goal line offense, a lot of designed runs coming for him. We saw the cannon arm, like you mentioned, on a 59-yard score to Tyreek, and just doing everything we expected, which he was our poster boy. We went all in. No more views than anything for Pat Mahomes. Obviously, got those YouTube videos that blew up. So I I couldn't be happier. We've I, everyone. He's on every one of my uh, fantasy teams. Everybody that I help draft has Pat Mahomes at least on the bench, if not as their starter. So I hope this continues. And it looked very, very real to me. He looks very legit. Played mistake-free football the entire day too, which was the whole knock on him. He'll still have some growing pains here and there. I just don't get how everybody's not accepting him as the dominant QB one he is. Roto World, you know, saying he could rapidly become an every week QB one. He is an every week QB one. I've been saying it since January. 
January. He proved it this time. He buys time in the pocket as good as anybody. And, man, that rapport is absolutely deadly between Tyree Kill and Pat Mahomes. Obviously, you know, Hill, wide receiver four last year, made us look real good. And that was without this type of insane usage and efficiency from his quarterback with his cannon arm. It started in the preseason. We saw it budding. And now it's just completely carried over, which is incredible. And just including the preseason, this stat line is ridiculous for all those that were concerned about Sammy Watkins and let Tyreek Hill slip to round three. Thank you very much. Listen to this stat line. Since the preseason, Hill's been on 104 first-team snaps as compared to 118 for Watkins, so more snaps for Watkins. The production differential, absolutely staggering. Hill, 21 receptions on 24 targets, 87.5% of you know catching all those balls, 352 yards and three TDs. Watkins, three catches on 12 targets, 25% of his looks, for 35 yards, zero TDs, and an interception. Are you kidding me? I mean, there's no question here. It's a target hog, Tyreek Hill. Sammy Watkins just continues to fall further, and Pat Mahomes making us look smart, and it's not easy to make the Wolf look smart sometimes outside of fantasy football. I mean, it was probably a month ago that we did the Rose Street Journal mock draft, and I picked Tyreek Hill with my second pick, and I mean, there were people like that were just like, I don't know, Sammy Watkins is going to eat into his target share. Travis Kelsey's going to going to eat into a stop Travis Kelsey one catch six yards by the way uh, yeah not going to dunk on anybody with that stat line jerk <laughs> all right now last rising storyline Le'Veon who James Connor the next D'Angelo Williams maybe James Connor the next Le'Veon Bell like, what do you think it's unbelievable. I mean, led all running backs in snaps and usage in week one, over 30 fantasy points. Uh, you know, I saw a stat that Le'Veon Bell in his last 49 games has four games over 30 DraftKings points, and James Conner gets his first start and gets over 30 points. This I think he had like down. 192 total yards or something insanity and I mean he was just churning he's an absolute beast it was just a fun thing to watch like this guy and you know the teammates are backing him they're saying you know why have Bell come back if he's not going to be here he's going to play and hide and go seek with us we got a guy that's talented look out for this James Conner guy and he really proved it I mean we saw D'Angelo Williams the Steelers running back backup situation has always been a gold mine even scoring more fancy points than Le'Veon Bell D'Angelo Williams did the last time he was featured back if this guy doesn't show up and we're going to talk about him in the fallers right he didn't show up for week one that was kind of everybody's speculation is he'll show up Saturday not play the first week but collect a game check and then it'll be back to the Le'Veon show he didn't show up he's nowhere to be seen why at this point would he just show up like week four instead of holding out till week 10 when he's absolutely required to show up and to be a free agent I see this going to week 10 obviously it's just a prediction I can't see the future I have no idea what will happen but if that's the case James Conner will be this year's Alvin Kamara as a true season winner we already saw it he's an rb1 any single week that Le'Veon bell's out there we called it on the podcast last week some people were saying you know royce freeman or or james connor and i've always been firm you know james connor was uh, it was only 12 backs i had ahead of him and clearly that was even a mistake this guy is a monster uh you know what this means for Le'Veon bell moving forward who knows but especially in keeper leagues too because connor is probably going to have those reins turned over to him next year this guy is a beast yeah no doubt about it he is a beast Let's I go to moving forward. Like I'm trying to think, like who would I rank ahead of him if he's the starter? That's the only, you know, flash. The only detriment to his values. You don't know if Bell will just show up, because otherwise I'd be ranking this guy in the top 12 of you know overall on a big board right now. So that's the only blemish. Is you're talking about top 12 running backs or top 12 overall? Top 12 overall. Yeah, I was going to say I would too. I would too. It's it's crazy. I just wish I knew Bell wasn't showing up till week 10, and then I would just put him in my top 12 for the rest of the season. 
All right, follow our storylines. Derrick Henry severely outsnapped by the better-fitting Deion Lewis. You heard the stat lines during the rundown. Lewis, 16 carries for 75 with a bunch of catches. Henry, like 10 catches for 26, like maybe one catch, maybe none. Uh, it seemed pretty clear to me where the wind was blowing on this. And, you know, it's like we've been waiting for Derrick Henry for so long now. Various things have come up to limit him. Man, I don't know. This, this looks like trouble to me. Absolutely looks like trouble. You know, Matt LaFleur's whole goal coming into the Tennessee, what he's always said, even since his Rams days last year, is we want to merge the passing game and the run games. And we talked about this in our Matt LaFleur breakdown and our coaching carousel guide on the podcast multiple times that Deion Lewis is clearly the superior fit for merging the passing games and the run games, which had us much lower on Derrick Henry than a lot of people. And obviously, you know, we one out to even you know more so than I even expected you know, uh, they started up with Henry tried to get him established he was awful while he was in there uh, <coughs> excuse me and, and so Deion Lewis outsnaps Henry 70 to 30 percent after Henry takes like the first eight carries of the game it became the Deion Lewis uh, show out of the backfield uh, he outsnapped Henry 14 to zero on third down so that merging the passing games and running games 100 percent in Lewis's favor red zone snaps even you'd think that's where Lewis would take uh, to the bench and Henry that beast would finally come in and get the the favor no it was Deion Lewis six to two red zone snaps and getting the touchdown and the score there this has got to be worrisome, especially if Mariota's hurt and this offense takes a step back and they're, they're playing catch-up a lot. This could be the last we see of Henry without a Deion Lewis injury. And meanwhile, Lewis obviously rises to a, a pretty solid RB2 the rest of the season, whereas Henry, if he scores a touchdown, then you get an okay week. But otherwise, he's looking like a bust every single week. I wouldn't want him in my lineup ever. So long, bell cow. Christian McCaffrey sinks back into a committee hole, possibly. Now, before you guys give us a hard time for saying that you can't make up your mind on Christian McCaffrey, you're right, we can't. Um, we thought he was overrated, then we thought he was underrated, then we thought he was properly rated, then we maybe thought he was underrated again. Um, and now, uh, I don't know what I think exactly. What do you think, Wolf? It's hard to, to know, really. And much of this could be because he fumbled within the five-yard line. Maybe they were punishing him a little bit, uh, making him ride the pine. I'm not freaking out, though. In fact, I would be buying low right now if somebody's reading the Roto World blurb, which correctly points out he had 10 carries to C.J. Anderson, 7, which in the preseason, Anderson didn't even touch the field with the first team outside of like 11% of the snaps. But it's still, you look at the actual usage and the actual snaps, McCaffrey was in on 86% of the snaps in week one. So, I mean, that was the highest single snap percentage of his career. He outsnapped Anderson 8-4 to four in the red zone where you'd be most nervous about him. So, even if the stats don't fully match how often he was on the field, I'm not freaking out. It wasn't as big of a committee as the, the 10 carries to 7 carries might suggest. This guy's still a workhorse. If anybody's freaking out after week one, then I would be buying low 100% on Christian McCaffrey. I'm not worried. Yeah, maybe he takes a slight hit, but he's not going plummeting down my rankings by any means. No, me either. I agree with that assessment. Uh, I thought that he was going to get a heftier bulk of the just carries. I really did. And, and I do think it's going to come around eventually. 
I mean, he had 10 straight carries in the first quarter of a preseason game, so it was easy to expect a 25 carry. You know, they, they promised 25 to 30 touches. Didn't happen this week, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him reemerge. I bet you it was more punishing him for a bad fumble. Uh, I'm hoping that this was just kind of a mirage. Again, 85% of the snaps. Don't freak out. Don't sell this ship. And buy low if his owner is panicking for sure. Deshaun Watson and the Texas Texans offense sputter. In his sophomore debut, you were there in person. I watched on TV. I saw just about every snap of that game. And I got to tell you, he, he looked bad. It wasn't just that like his stat line wasn't very good. He looked bad. His passing was legit, really, really poor. Uh, was that mm-hmm. the same take that you had? I mean, I was a little foggier, a little hazier while at the stadium, but live, he certainly didn't look good either. I mean, the Patriots' defense clearly knew what to expect, but Watson just didn't look healthy. He wasn't as mobile as he was last year. Didn't look nearly as dangerous moving around the pocket. Seemed like he was still kind of favoring. I'm just nervous about his health. That's what I'm more nervous about. Definitely some questionable throws. I mean, he was a big chucker last year, and a lot of those ended up bending his way. Uh, Maybe he doesn't get so many lucky bounces this year, and he regresses a bit. But I'm not freaking out quite yet because Will Fuller wasn't there, and that's such a key cog to Watson's game is buying that time and then slinging it to this guy, Fuller, who can get behind the defense as good as anybody in the league. So I wouldn't freak out quite yet, but I am nervous that he didn't look fully healthy. His throws weren't quite there. The Patriots had a great way of covering Hopkins' coverage always over the top, making any other receiver beat him. They don't have many weapons outside of Hopkins and Fuller, so I'm not overly worried quite yet. I need to see a game with Fuller there and see if they can regain it. I wouldn't. I would rather have Pat Mahomes. I mean, I know that's a sure. snap. Like this was, it's my QB one going into the year. I was so tied to him last year after he was just a cheat code for those seven games he was on the field. I'll admit it. I don't think he's going to be even close to the QB one this year. I would still try to buy him if I, you know, he's right around my QB five right now. Rogers, Brady, Breeze above him, and I would say even Pat Mahomes. Our boy deserves to get rated ahead of him moving forward. But ultimately, Watson, by mid-year, could just regain that status. Just uh, He's still recovering. I'm not going to freak out quite yet. Yeah, he was probably my quarterback four or five going into the year, which, I mean, is still, like, giving somebody an awful lot of props who's only played mm-hmm. one season and, like, he saw, like, six games. But, yeah, he definitely takes a slide. Uh, you know, I, 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 he's still startable, but uh, I'm nervous. I'd put it that way. Uh, All right, we'll be right back. We're going to talk waivers right after this. All right, we are back. We need you three guys you might want to check out on waivers. And, of course, there's a lot more where that came from. RotorStreetJournal.com. You're going to have a lot of information there from guys that actually are maybe even a little more schooled on these particular guys than us. But we're going to tell you our quick thoughts uh, just to end the podcast. Number one on the list, Philip Lindsay. And when I say that I had never heard of Philip Lindsay before yesterday when he split carries with Royce Freeman, I'm not lying to you. If I'd paid a little closer attention to the Broncos' depth chart, maybe I would have. But he and Royce Freeman each got 15 carries, each went for 71 yards. Lindsey uh, had two catches. He actually took one to the house, uh, you know, 15, 16-yard touchdown catch. So he had a pretty good fantasy day. You like him as a waiver pickup? I'm scared personally because I don't like anyone that I know is going straight in as a, as a committee member. 
Right, exactly. I'm not breaking the bank uh, over anyone in week one. Whereas last year we had like Tariq Cohen who looked like a future stud. There's nobody this week that I'm just dying to make sure I get. Uh, Lindsey at the running back position is intriguing, splitting the, the workload completely evenly with Freeman. Everyone expected it to be Booker, and clearly Booker was the distant third in this committee situation. Royce obviously taking a hit where we thought he could emerge as a featured back. Lindsey, whatever creature this is, working his way into the conversation uh, and clearly the the receiving favorite out of that backfield there and looked pretty damn explosive in this game which I liked in terms of the talent I have no idea who this guy is where he's coming from did not see it coming at all but I think he is worth the speculative ad because if he yeah you're right it's a committee situation but the passing game looked very solid under Case Keenum I know he had some picks but ultimately you know Sanders looks beastly this offense as a whole is definitely taking a step forward so even in a committee if Lindsay's getting those passing down snaps, I think you can have some real value for the Broncos moving forward. All right. Only 5% owned as well on Yahoo. So, I mean, we're talking about guys that are pretty much universally out there, too. That's our choices for tonight. Geronimo Allison. This is a guy I actually picked up in two out of my four leagues right before nice. week. I picked him up right before week one. I dropped some guys. Dropped Matt Breda. Picked up Geronimo Allison. I, I really like the upside of a guy that I perceive to be their wide receiver, too. Uh, he might actually end up being their three again. And Cobb had a huge game, but I mean, there was obviously plenty to go around for those Packers receivers. You like Allison? I do. Anything in a, as long as Aaron Rodgers is healthy, and there's some speculation he might not be uh, playing Week Two against the Vikings. But how do you bench him after such an incredible comeback, and then against a, a big rivalry week? And Allison, yeah, it's a huge aerial pie, like you said. Five of eight catches, 69 yards, and a TD. Only 12% owned. I mean, we've seen James Jones as the third receiving option score 11 touchdowns at age like 32. So a young and fresh Geronimo Allison, who is making some real highlight play catches on the sidelines down the the seam on a 39-yard touchdown. This guy looks legit. Anybody in an Aaron Rodgers-led offense is worth owning and never mind starting. I really like Allison moving forward for sure. All right, Brandon Marshall, Tyler Lockett, we got them grouped together. Uh, These guys are in there obviously because of the Doug Baldwin injury. Uh, Who's Russell Wilson going to throw to? Maybe these guys. Maybe, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, household Mike Wisley or whatever the hell his name is. I don't even remember. At this Disley, point. I think it was. Yeah, household name Mike Disley. Uh, yeah. Brandon Marshall, Tyler Lockett. Which one of these guys do you like more if you had to choose one? Uh, I mean, Lockett's the one that's 51% owned, so he's not really as widely available. I just figured I'd mention him. He's the bigger play guy. He has more long-term established chemistry with Russell Wilson. I'd rather have Lockett, but Marshall has probably the the higher floor week-to-week moving forward. He's more of the possession guy. He looked, I'm not saying vintage B-Marsh or anything like that. He used to be such a dominant threat, but he had some decent chemistry with Wilson. You know, three catches, just churning, six targets, kind of became that focal point of Russell Wilson as soon as Doug Baldwin left. I could see Brandon Marshall putting up some sneaky stats, especially if Baldwin's injury lingers. They're saying it's going to be about a three to even six-week injury with a slight MCL there. As long as he's out, I think B-Marsh, we saw how bad this defense has become. They're going to be playing from behind. Russell Wilson always chucks it and makes these miracle plays. And you got to imagine B-Marsh is going to be on the receiving end of a fair amount of them. So at only 8% owned, I think he's a great guy to at least stash and maybe even use in the right matchups. All right, we're going to wrap things up right there. Wolf, you got any social media you want to pump before we get out of here? 
of course, if you like what you heard, and again, I, I don't want to be braggy. It always the, the fantasy gods hate when people get overconfident. But clearly, a lot of our preseason predictions, a lot of the things from our first or our last preseason guide came true in week one. We're providing some great pulverizing audio lead blocks. So if you like what you heard, subscribe. We'd appreciate any type of review, whether positive or negative, that we can get better with. It, it means the world to us. So any type of review you guys can provide, we'd really appreciate it. And you can find our homepage, Roto Street. Journal.com. You can find me personally, Roto Street Wolf, on Twitter and Snapchat. Roto Street Journal on Facebook and Instagram as well. Both of those two blowing up these days. And then Roto ST Journal if you're on Twitter or Snapchat as well for our hub, hub page. Just follow us everywhere. Comment all questions. We got a ton of sit start questions on Sunday, which was awesome. I just love this stuff. Love engaging with you guys. So keep the questions coming. Keep the praise. Keep the shame. Whatever it is, I love it all. So hit us up. Follow us and join that wolf pack baby alright my name's Not the Truth Jones and I'm the wolf see you guys later